Hello and welcome to a very special supplemental episode of the Pages and Popcorn podcast. I was lucky enough to talk to a real-life paleontologist all about Jurassic Park and dinosaurs and the feathers on the T-Rex and the fact that I am totally justified in my fear of birds because dinosaurs are birds, etc. So in just a second, we're going to have that exciting conversation for you. But I just wanted to really quickly say thank you so much. If you're listening to this, you are probably one of our Patreon supporters at the five or $10 level, or you are receiving access to this as one of our occasional limited time things where we open up the doors and we let everybody hear all the things. Uh, For example, we're going to be doing that in November 2020 as a thank you to all of our listeners to celebrate our second anniversary, podiversary, if you will. We have been doing this podcast for two years. It's been a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot more supplemental episodes coming your way in the next couple months. We're really stepping up our supplemental episode game, which is super exciting. So there's a lot of cool stuff to look forward to. Again, thank you for your support. And we encourage you to like and share us on Facebook and Twitter and And rate and review us on all the places where you listen to podcasts, because that helps more people find out about us. So without further ado, here's our interview. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is, hooray. Hooray. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing there in Pennsylvania? in the cold. Uh, <laughs> it's been okay. <laughs> Crazy it's, time here, but you know. It's cold here in California. California cold. <laughs> cold is such a relative term. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but I mean, I don't know. It was in the forties. That's, that's cold, right? I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, that is cold. I would say that is cold. Definitely. First of all, thank you so much for being willing to talk to a random Twitter stranger about dinosaurs. I'm happy to. This is great. (laughs) Okay, so hi and welcome and thank you so much for being here. And why don't you tell our listeners who you are and why you're here today talking about dinosaurs? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm Ali Nabavizida. I am an assistant professor at University of Pennsylvania's School of Veterinary Medicine. So I teach anatomy in the vet school and I'm a comparative anatomist. My my research involves just looking at craniofacial musculature and bones and joints um, in the skull and how it relates to feeding in large herbivores. So primarily my research is in herbivorous dinosaurs, Um, looking at things like triceratops, stegosaurus, ankylosaurus, you know, duck-billed hadrosaurs, things like that, ornithischian dinosaurs, they're called looking at their feeding systems and how they're just the diversity of feeding systems and how they function and just anatomy across the board, um, reconstructing muscles and all that fun stuff. Um, I'm also kind of branching out into other big herbivores. So I'm really into elephants. You know, I do things like dissect elephant. I did dissected an elephant head a few years ago, which I'm still writing up and just other herbivorous and more prehistoric herbivores like dicynodonts and things like that. So And okay, I'm so sorry that I just don't know this. And this is totally not on my pre-approved list of questions, but the mammoths would fit into that, right? Yes. They're big, giant, elephant-like herbivores. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're, I mean, there are the elephants, they are elephants themselves. So they're related to um, living elephants. Um, But then there are also elephants further, you know, from more ancient elephants, we'll say, like for, from further back, which are really bizarre looking. They have really big chins and tusks on their 
a lower jaw as well as the upper jaw. Lots of crazy things. Like, I don't know if you've seen the third Lord of the Rings movie with the big elephants with the four tusks. There were actually elephant ancestors that looked like that. And so, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Similar to that. But wow, uh, just these weird, bizarre four tusked elephants, like, or, or they're called proboscideans, is the um, line to elephants. So, really cool group of animals. We are lucky enough to have a paleontology little um, uh, museum here in the Central mm-hmm. Valley. And we went a while back. And one of the things that they told us about the mammoths was that the mammoths basically didn't have any predators. And so they, they, they died when they when their teeth would rub down to the point where they couldn't chew their food and then they just starved. And yeah, hey, yeah. that's horrific. And it, it's like it the thing that stayed with me for all these years since that trip. And every now and then when I really want to bump myself out, I just think about the mammoths walking around, looking at the food going, Uh, (laughs) it is very sad it is very sad and i mean elephants that happens to elephants today too i mean granted there's a lot more you know things like unfortunate poaching and things like that but if an elephant lived as long as it should live that would that that happens their teeth would run out and they would lose their teeth and eventually they can't eat their food so yeah yeah that's What a way to start the talk. Okay. It is very sad. <laughs> well, it's because, yeah, their teeth kind of grow out in a conveyor belt. So they go from back to forward. And then once they run out, that's it. You know, that's it. it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's so <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thankfully, we have dentures as humans. And that's true. Um, yeah, and we can just keep eating. <laughs> Okay, so I wanted to talk to you specifically about Jurassic Park mm-hmm. and about the the dinosaurs there and how the movie portrayed the dinosaurs. What your general thoughts are? I mean, well, first, I guess, have you seen the movie recently, or did you see it a bunch when you were younger? I, I see it all the time. I, I'm constantly like, if it's on TV, I'll watch it. If it's you know, just feel like it, I'll put it on. It's my favorite movie. I will say just just because you know, I I saw it in the theater at six years old and I I mean I saw it with my dad <laughs> and <laughs> from then on like I that that's it helped me get into I mean that's pretty much the biggest inspiration for me to get into paleontology and that's actually the case for a lot of paleontologists that are kind of in my age group is that you know that was kind of the, the big movie of the time that kind of get got a lot of people interested in you know dinosaurs and drawing dinosaurs and that kind of stuff was it like oh, look at this, science can make dinosaurs? Or was it like, I want to do that? Or was it like, dinosaurs are really cool and seeing them like in a scope with like the people are down here and the dinosaurs are so big. Oh, yeah. That's what's amazing about it. Or That's yeah. the amazing part. Okay. Yeah, no, no one. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was nothing to do with, oh, we can create dinosaurs. Like I want to make it. No, no one. I mean, granted, there are a few people that are looking at things, you know, looking into that kind of stuff, but it's not. But I mean, everybody, they all know and everyone knows that it's not really feasible at all to do what they did in the movie um, for a very variety of reasons, which I'm not I'm not an expert on. But just in general, like it's just a highly, highly, highly unlikely thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) And and even in the movie, they had to take, you know, the DNA from the frogs and the other things. So like they were acknowledging it's not just here's some amber, here's some blood. Right. Whammo. Yeah. Fill in gaps, quote unquote. Yeah. (laughs) Gaps. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gaps in the DNA. With people who don't, 
who didn't know what they were doing, which was part of the correct, part of the correct. problem <laughs> there for sure. Okay, so but but about the movie and the di- so what's your what's your favorite dinosaur and was your favorite dinosaur in the movie? That's a big question. Yes, it is in the movie. Triceratops has always been my favorite dinosaur. I've got a huge soft spot for Triceratops ever since childhood. Always seeing that scene, that scene plus the Brachiosaurus scene. In the very beginning, where they see that grand, huge brachiosaurus in the very beginning, those two scenes stuck with me. I've always been interested in herbivores, but this, especially the scene with the triceratops, where they got up close and personal, I was so envious. So I'm like, I'm still so jealous that yeah, they get to do something like that in the movie. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've always had a, a soft spot for triceratops. It's just this really incredible animal on multiple levels, and I, you know. I've had the pleasure of working on that and animals, the dinosaurs related to that, um, which is really cool. Their heads are just incredible. So the triceratops are, because there's like the the dinosaurs and then there's the birds and there's the connection between dinosaurs and birds, but I don't think about birds and elephants. So can you, can you help me understand the, the bird dinosaur dinosaur connection? Sure. Yeah. So Think of dinosaurs, so dinosaurs are one group, but they have different lineages that pop, lineages that pop off, right? So you have um, one line that's called the ornithischians, um, and that's what I work on, the herbivores like triceratops, pegasaurs, and chylosaurs, hadrosaurs, and pachycephalosaurs, the thick-headed ones. All of those come off of that one line called ornithischians, and there are different branches off of that. Another line is called saurischians. And this includes theropods, which are, include all the carnivores like T-Rex and Velociraptor and, you know, everything in between. And also sauropods, uh, sauropodomorphs, or the long-necked dinosaurs, like brachiosaurs. Okay, so, and some, there have been a recent study that kind of flipped that kind of grouping system on its head and said, well, maybe theropods are more closely related to ornithischians and this and that. But the traditional outlook is that there are two groups, ornithischians and sauropods. And that sauroscians included the theropods. Now, theropods, which are the, mainly the carnivores, although there are some herbivores in there, things like T. Rex, things like Velociraptor. That's the line that further down basically became birds. One of the branches toward the end of the Cretaceous, or well, within the end the Jurassic, but it diversified toward the Cretaceous, was the branch that um, went to birds. And that is the one clade of all the dinosaur clades that were living that survived the extinction of, of the end Cretaceous extinction. Um, now there are different reasons, different you know hypotheses as to why that is. Some say you know they were able to fly away from the trouble. So you know if there was something you know the asteroid hit, a lot of birds were able to fly away to the safest areas that were possible at the time, seed eating hypotheses and different things like that. So lots of different reasons have been brought up for it. But, uh, but yeah, that is the one, let's say, clade or branch of the theropod dinosaurs that survived. All of the other clades went extinct at the end of the Cretaceous. All birds are dinosaurs. Maybe I should have started with that. But you can say that birds are a clade within dinosaurs. So birds are a clade within theropods and theropods are dinosaurs. Okay. So, you know, you know how, like, for instance, right now we have chimps still exist, gorillas still exist, you know, monkeys still exist, right? Right. It's because those, those different branches just kept living. Now, imagine there are different branches of theropod dinosaurs, like birds, velociraptor, T-Rex, but the velociraptor and T-Rex went extinct and the birds carried on. Okay. 
that okay. make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Again, so they are all- they are dinosaurs themselves. They're just one branch of those theropod dinosaurs. Gotcha, gotcha. So all birds are dinosaurs, but not all dinosaurs are birds. Correct. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> all, all squares are parallelograms, but not yes. all parallelograms are yeah, squares. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, I got gotcha. you. It's just one grouping of dinosaurs that carried on. All the rest of them went extinct. Wow. Yeah. That's so, that's so fascinating. I have a, um, I think, well-documented and valid fear of birds. So uh, <laughs> there's probably a reason why dinosaurs make me a little afraid. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. I don't because... blame you. <laughs> the birds can be really scary sometimes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. No, there are some really bad ones. <laughs> and they're smart and they remember people and they hold grudges mm-hmm. and they yeah. steal your hair for their nest. <laughs> I, it's a thing that happens. So Yeah, no. Okay, let's see here. We talked about birds and dinosaurs. Okay, so you are a real life paleontology type person, and mm-hmm. you you said you're you know you're an assistant professor. What do what do paleontologists do? Because we see in the movie we see Grant out there digging, um, yeah. but we also see this new technology that has to do with seismic going down and getting like X, it's not X ray, it's like seismic um, pictures of what's down oh, there. Oh yeah, that, to stop with the digging. Is that that's not something that happens. No, we don't. Oh, really? <laughs> for, for fossil, to find fossils? No, they don't do that kind of thing. That's, I'm not exactly sure where that came from for the movie, but that, that was supposed to be like a, I mean, people, geologists do that, but to find fossils, it's not, it's not something that would really find fossils as far as, as I know. Anyway. Um, I've never heard any of like colleagues of mine that have tried to do anything like that. So it is still digging and yeah oh yeah it's all digging yeah um you know you have bulldozers or you can just have you know digging tools things like that first what happens is you know paleontologists go prospecting they'll go in areas where they think you know dinosaur or dinosaur fossils should be based on the geological strata think of geological strata like laundry piling up right then the one on top is the newest laundry well the one on the layer on top is the youngest age so the further down you go the older it gets but across the globe, erosion has occurred everywhere. So depending on where you are, you get a certain level of a time period in different parts of the world, right? That's why they say, oh, in Kansas, you can find good Cretaceous rock because everything above that has been you know, eroded away. Whereas if you go to Pennsylvania, it's all been eroded away. You just have rock from before the time of the dinosaurs, you know, things like that. So, you know, paleontologists go prospecting and then once they find a couple of little bits of bone here and there, they say, okay, this is a good place. And they start digging. They'll go different areas in North America, Asia, Africa, all over the world. And depending on what time strata you're looking at, geological strata, you dig away at the, uh, for the fossil. And there's a lot of, you know, you can look at, the rock can tell you everything. It can tell you about the environment. It can tell you about the light, wildlife. Uh, I can tell you about plant life, all of these things, you know, how much water was there probably in a certain region or was it all forested or things like that. And so you can get a good sense of paleo environment. You can get a good sense of- um, From the rocks? The rocks yeah. tell you if there was forests? And, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The fossils in the rocks. Like you can see plant fossils in the rock. You oh. can see the sediment itself. Is it is there a lot of carbon in the sediment? If there was a lot of carbon, that means there's a lot of plant life, probably things like that. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways and a lot of geochemistry that goes on too. <laughs> so lots of really high tech tools for geological digs. So you don't need things like that 
you know, seismic activity you see in the in the movie. That's not really something that is actually huh. done, as far as I know. Is there any anything else in the movie that you you can point to real off the you know cuff easily and say that's not a thing besides you know amber and blood and the seismic thing? One glaring one is when you know at the beginning when they're dusting off the velociraptor skeleton right? It's not that easy. <laughs> you can't just go with a brush and start brushing it off. And like, Ooh, look at it. We have an entire skeleton. That's the most <laughs> unlikely thing in the world. You know, if, it, if you had a discovery like that, there would be like, you know, mass hysteria everywhere. Like, oh my God. <laughs> but they were just like, you know, la, 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 that, that doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of hard rock you have to really chip through and it takes a lot of digging and sometimes years of digging just to get one whole, you know, specimen out. You know, you have to go through multiple seasons to get an entire quarry dug up or something. And unfortunately, you know, having a complete skeleton is incredibly rare. But most of the time you'll find bits and pieces, like some bones here and there, or a bunch of bones. There's a lot of times you'll find 30% or 50% of the foss- of the skeleton or things like that. For instance, like finding a skull is more rare than <laughs> you would probably expect in a lot of cases, which is unfortunate. Why? Why? Because, well, different reasons. So one reason could be that, you know, after death, the the skull has one articulation with the neck. It's kind of small compared to the rest of the body. So it could just like flow away (laughs) with lots of, you know, geological processes. It could just like be pushed out miles and miles even, or, you know, just different things like that. But ribs and vertebrae, they, they come apart too, but you can see them in clusters a lot of the time. Like there's a vertebrae, there's a vertebrae, there's a rib, there's a leg bone, you know, things like that. Hmm. But there are a lot, most of the time, they're just kind of like jumbles of bone. The smaller an animal gets, you know, depending on the preservation, there are cases where, especially smaller dinosaurs, you see an articulated complete skeleton, which is nice. But the likelihood of that happening with bigger dinosaurs is a lot lower. You just have to kind of work with what the rock gives you at the time. Now, personally, I'm not a field paleontologist. I have gone into the field a couple of times, but not very often. My research involves going to museums and looking at specimens that have already been dug up and prepped out. Now, preparation of fossils is another step. After field paleontologists go, they jacket the specimen. Maybe they'll see a bone, a bone or two and say, okay, this whole region, we want to jacket this whole region. So they put a plaster jacket, they dig down deep and take the whole thing of dirt like as this big boulder like looking thing and put it in a plaster jacket and then take it back to the lab. And then the preparators will go in and start preparing, taking off all the dirt and rock to clean up the fossil and find more bits of the fossil in that kind of big cluster of the dirt. So that's what preparators do in the museum. So that's another paleontologist's job. And another type of researcher is one that, you know, is a lab that works in the lab or works in the museum. So like for instance, me, I go to museums, I look at specimens, measure them, look at the features and try to deduce soft tissue type stuff. And a lot of people can do computer modeling of those. So they do 3D scans of the bones and add on muscles, add on joints and do some modeling to see what kinds of feeding mechanisms or what kinds of locomotion is possible in this animal. A lot of a lot of cool research going on in that way. So is that... When, because then we we talk about like the skins, and I remember as a kid, it was always like leathery. You you thought of them, and then even in Jurassic, like like the Triceratops, it it looks 
like an animal skin, but then my daughter has dinosaur books that are like talking about feathers, uh, you know, off with the bird connotation, but also just they're talking about feathery stuff. So how do they figure the skin out? Because that would deteriorate, right? We wouldn't have fossils of skin. Just yeah, like- for the most part it does, but we do have fossilized skin. Oh. But, um, yeah, we do. And, you know, it's more rare than the bones, obviously, but there are cases where we see patches of fossilized skin, which is really cool. It's like basically imprints of skin, but you can see kind of like scale patterns on like say a hadrosaur. We know parts of what the scales look like on a hadrosaur body or foot, foot pad even. Um, we, we have skin of a triceratops. And you can see like rosette patterns of the scales. So like they'll have a big, you know, the back will be covered with like one big scale with smaller scales around and then like huh. rosettes of that same pattern all along the body. So we know stuff like that which is really cool. We even have some skin patches of things like, you know, theropods and T-Rex, although there's a good likelihood that T-Rex even had feathers as well um, based on their lineage. But, you know, we don't, that's not for certain yet, but there are tyrannosaurs that have had, that have feathers. We definitely know that. So a lot of many paleontologists definitely think that T-Rex also had some feathers at least. Velociraptor and, you know, birdline theropods, things they're called manoraptorans. So Things like Velociraptor and other animals with, you know, different features that are in line with birds. One one of those is kind of what's called a semi-lunate carpal bone. So like a carpal bone that basically makes their hand kind of folded in, kind of like a bird is. That's why in Jurassic Park, they have them like bunny hands. That's not right. That, their hand would break if, they're, <laughs> if, if the Velociraptor was like this. So they're kind of more curled in, like all, all theropods really were curled in like this off to the side. The up and down definitely helped with the opening of the doors. Right. That helped with the opening of the doors. So it would have been a lot harder. I, I mean, I'd argue that if it were smart enough, it could figure the out elbows. a way to do it. We have elbow action that, now. Yeah, the elbows, you know, <laughs> things like that. But yeah, the the opening of the door thing, yeah, it wouldn't have worked that way. <laughs> it wouldn't it would have need to have broken its wrists to do that. <laughs> which you don't want to do, obviously. But a lot of these bird-lined dinosaurs and manoraptorans, they had feathers. We know this from fossils. So we have lots of things that are related to Velociraptor that definitely have feathers. You can see them clear as day in the fossil, which is amazing. Um, Really cool fossils that show that. Um, And in Velociraptor itself, even in the arm, the forearm, they found remnants of where the quills would have attached. So that's how we that's how we know they they most definitely had feathers as well because they had quills, which is really cool. So that is cool. So yeah, so they they definitely should have had feathers. I don't fault Jurassic Park for not having feathers on them. I, I still think it looks good. They're much bigger than they should be as well, the Velociraptors. They they're more the size of what's called a Utah raptor, but you know, Velociraptor sounds cooler. So <laughs> Velociraptor is like a six foot long, small, scrawny dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, again, they were mixing DNA. So who knows exactly. what, what they were putting into the soup there to make them bigger and more right, more exciting. I just have to say, if I was going to make dinosaurs, I would start with just the herbivores. I don't know if oh, yeah. the, I agree. the chompers. <laughs> okay. So you talked about the digs and the discovering of dinosaurs and kind of figuring out where they're going to be because of erosion and limited humanity. Do you <laughs> think we're ever going to get to a point where we'll have discovered all the dinosaurs or do you think they're I mean is this a, a field I should encourage the eight-year-old to go into or there'll still be work for her in 20 years or yes, absolutely you should encourage her definitely um we're, we're I don't think we're ever going to be done it's just I mean 
there's always going to be something to dig up and always something new. And it's just going to keep going, at least for, you know, the foreseeable future. There's just so much we don't know. And even in animals that we do know about, different specimens show different features. So there will always be fossils to dig up and there will always be things to find, new things to find, which is great. So absolutely, I would encourage you to see it, to keep going. Um, no, definitely. You you said um, that the the T Rex would have had feathers. He was very scary in the movie. Obviously, the T Rex. Yeah. Uh, there was this moment where they talked about how fast he could run, and then later on, they seemed to to drive faster than than it was running. I'm just wondering about about that. Do you have any idea about the speed of what T Rexes would be, or or the Velociraptors? Were they? Yeah, T Rex. Last I heard, they weren't that fast. So I can't remember what the latest speed estimation was, but I think at one point it was like 18 miles an hour, which isn't that fast at all. There's there are, there are different like when they're modeled biomechanically, there are a lot of different characteristics that you need to incorporate into the system, and all of that put together in a very very large animal that's very you know has a lot of meat on it, a lot of muscle muscle on it. You know, there's only a certain amount of speed that can come from something like that. And also the way that the legs are kind of structured in general. So it's not as fast as you would expect from a large predator. But yeah, I think in like in the movie, yeah, it definitely wouldn't have caught up to the Jeep in real life. As far as it gaining on it, I don't, I don't know. I think that's a good question. I could like gain on it for a little bit, but it would definitely get tired. <laughs> Yeah, just like it did in the movie. But, so, so um, just as a point of comparison, uh, elephants. How fast do elephants run? Are they big runners? Oh, they're 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 a good speed of runner. I don't know how fast they run, but yeah, they're they can run pretty fast compared to their like what they look like in their weight. But I don't know the speed. Yeah, no, they're. I mean, elephants do have a good speed. They don't need to run that fast because there aren't a lot of predators that really could take it down but given that they still do trot pretty well <laughs> right well and i guess the elephant isn't really running after its food the way the t-rex would be right chasing yeah, its no. food so it would need carnivores yeah yeah for that yeah but things like gazelles need to run away from things like you know leopards so it's right so, so that kind of animal would run really fast but if if you're really big like for instance long neck sauropods didn't need to run fast they're huge like they probably didn't need to you know, they needed to grow really fast in the beginning. And then that's it, you know, <laughs> they get wipe their tail and, you know, <laughs> you know, kill the predator and knock it over or something. So I know that you said you loved the movie and you watched the movie. Have you read the book? Do you like the book as well for Jurassic Park? <laughs> I, I, so I'll admit I've read the half the book twice. <laughs> I'm in the middle of reading it. <laughs> I'm in the middle of rainy, reading it right now. I stopped a little bit ago, but it's still on my shelf. And I, last time I tried to read it was a long time ago. And it didn't really occur to me that I haven't really read the book. I know the differences between them. I know there's a, there's a lot of differences between them, um, but kind of the core of it's the same. But the book is a lot more gruesome. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> It, it just it, that that surprised me a lot. I'm like, holy cow! <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, me too. Actually, when I saw the movie younger, I remember you know that Arnold's arm, um, and, and 
the violence and stuff and, and yeah. Nedry dying and stuff. But in the book, it is so much more graphic with the oh, way. Yeah. And then, and then so many more people die. And there's so many more comfies in the book yeah. that, um, that aren't really in the in the movie at all, which was yeah, yeah. kind of, I guess, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I, they have to make choices, obviously. But sure. what I find fascinating is the book was written at a very specific time and it was talking about genetic engineering and it was mm -hmm. like the beginning it seemed like it was at the beginning of this bird dinosaur connection like it, it was teaching yeah. us that as well as talking about genetic engineering and then the movie came out not too terribly long afterwards obviously and they were both kind of touching on that it's fun to think about obviously the franchise is still alive and well but if the franchise hadn't started then and they were going to start the franchise now then mm -hmm. we wouldn't be teaching as much quite about the birds in the same way and i really wonder what the genetic aspect would be because now it's oh, 30 yeah. years later and we we know so much more Definitely. so it is kind of a fun little you have to put yourself back in the 90s when you read the book and remember that yeah. we didn't know what we know but i still think it's totally worth reading <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely wanting to read the rest of the book. I, it's interesting. Like when they say, for instance, in the movie, they specifically, you know, chose amphibian DNA. It seems like in the book there was more than just amphibians. They did a lot of other things too, but they specifically said amphibians. I think probably to keep it simple because of the concept of the amphibians being able to switch female to male. Right. Um. And kind of environment but but yeah i mean definitely if it was created now you would almost certainly have everyone say oh bird you should use bird dna because birds are dinosaurs right like obviously <laughs> you know like if anything like yeah and yeah I and mean, there's so much i would say vitriol among paleontologists now with the new jurassic world movies is where you know they still aren't putting feathers on the velociraptors even though they should have feathers or you know, their hands are look, are facing the wrong way or their feet look like elephant feet or, you know, things like that, like different aspects. For me, I don't, I don't really care so much, even though I am an anatomist, like I know Jurassic Park was always my, you know, that was my childhood thing. And I, I love the movie. So it's just, it's a movie to me, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of paleontologists and dinosaur enthusiasts who are, get really upset <laughs> about <laughs> certain things in the movie or choices in the movie like the bird not why don't they now use bird dna to fill in the gaps like they should have said something and therefore putting feathers on the you know the raptors or things like that or some people say that you know it's for continuity's sake and other people say no you don't need continuity you could just say oh we we progressed in our we've advanced in our technology and now we know that we should the birds you know so but you know, I just accept it as it is. It's a, its own art form, you know, directors and movie, you know, producers make their own decisions. You know. I also feel like it's, it's obviously sci-fi, right? It's right. fantasy. So it's okay to not be accurate because it's yeah. not accurate. But I mean, that's another thing too. Sometimes you, you run the risk if you have a book like this, where like, let's say 80% is real and 20% is the sci-fi fantasy yeah. aspect mm -hmm. um, and a lay person comes to it and they go oh it's 90% real and only 10% pretend or you know what yeah. I mean they don't understand and so yeah that's a mm -hmm. that's a fun little little thing there too we've talked about oh, with, yeah. with other books and stuff so so mm -hmm. obviously I was going to say um, do you think movies like this help or hurt paleontologists but it sounds like you're a paleontologist because of movies like Jurassic Park so I'm going to say helpful 
Yes, right? I, I would definitely argue that it is helpful. I I am very pro <laughs> any dinosaur movie, but you know, Jurassic Park has been kind of a kind of a monument in that regard. Like, <laughs> it is one of those movies. Like it, the original film helped create something called the Jurassic Foundation, which is a grant, which is a, which is basically which are basically grants for young for students and early career paleontologists for dinosaur research. So the that movie helped you know, make, create that foundation. So it actually has helped paleontology. It has influenced a lot of people, not all people in my age group, but a lot of people in my age group that I've talked to Mm -hmm. um, helped inspire them to be paleontologists because they see what dinosaurs could have been. For me personally, because I'm an anatomist, like in general, the, the reason I am doing what I'm doing is or one of them is I've always thought, you know, is this what dinosaurs really looked like? Like we see the triceratops up close and personal. And I, I always thought, you know, is that really what it would have looked like? And how can we know, you know, so like that inspired me to do things like reconstructing muscles and reconstructing what, you know, outer structures of the head based on what we see in the bone and also what we see in living related animals today. So like I do dissections of birds and crocodilians and lizards and stuff like that, that are closely, more closely related to dinosaurs or the closest thing to those kinds of dinosaurs that we can dissect just to look at like muscle attachment sites and say, okay, this muscle scar is here in this bird and it's also here in the dinosaur. So that means that this muscle is probably still there, you know? things like that, doing a lot of comparisons and just trying to piece it together, do detective work in that regard. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, awesome. Those are all my questions. And then, you know, and then some, (laughs) Uh, so anything that uh, I didn't ask that you wish I'd asked about the movie or about dinosaurs or about your work in in general, anything that you want to add on? Oh, um, no. I mean, I would, Again, like the, the movies are great and they're their own, you know, specific art form and they have, they do a lot of good for the science as well as, you know, inspire. And I will say that it has done a lot for scientific communication. So like, you know, for instance, people come to a museum and ask about, oh, a Jurassic Park, I saw this. And then that gives people who work in museums and paleontologists and evolutionary biologists the chance to really, you know, shine and say like, oh, you know, let me tell you about this and they'll tell the real picture. And then I'll kind of, I mean, that's, it's done a lot to help that. So I think that's, that's really good. And the more dinosaur and paleontology movies, the better, better, you know, <laughs> doesn't have to just be Jurassic Park. I mean, my kid yeah. loves Land Before Time. Did you? Yes. <laughs> yes. There, there are awesome. 14 of them. I don't know. If uh, you know oh my God. Is there 14 now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we just watch them on a loop. She's not quite old enough for Jurassic Park, oh, but, but she yeah. loves <laughs> the Land Before Time. Land Before Time is great. I love Land Before Time. I've, I've seen a bunch of them over the years, but I don't, I don't think I've seen all of them. <laughs> they come in a collection now. She got for Christmas oh, wow. last year. It's a, it's a whole thing. They, oh gosh, they take a awesome. turn around number 12. The, the animation, you can tell they don't have quite as much of the budget, but the first wow, several are, 12. well, I, I mean, I'm guessing they all kind of blur together, honestly, as the mom over here, but you know, for the first several, we're really like still pretty high caliber yeah. stuff. So yeah. yeah. I remember the second and third ones. And like, I, I kind of liked those ones too. I mean, I, the first one is by far the best, but of course, yeah, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with those too. So <laughs> yeah, I remember, uh, but yeah, no, it, I mean, it's done a lot of good and I, I mean, I'm looking forward to 
more advancement in the science and seeing how this, you know, the next movie plays out. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of changes in the next Jurassic World movie mm-hmm. as far as how they portray things. But, uh, but yeah, it's always very exciting. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And um, if the people want to find you, how and where can the people find you? Pretty much the main uh, social media thing for me is Twitter. So um, at vert underscore anatomist. So at sign V-E-R-T underscore A-N-A-T-O-M-I-S-T at vert anatomist. Um, that's, that's pretty much, that's where you'll see. Yeah. And that's where you'll see my main, you know, communicate science, any kind of sitcom or whatever, you know, that I may have uh, to offer. Very cool. Cool. Thank you you so much. This is so awesome. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed making it. Thankfully, I didn't go super fangirl all over Ali. So again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And just a really quick note that you can find out more about the podcast, our episodes, ways that you can support us, show notes, and also upcoming episodes all on our webpage, which is kmmamedia.com. Just go there. You can listen right there. You can click on the pages and popcorn links at the top and find more information about this show as well as the other show in the network right now. That other show is Ghost Thropology, but there will be more shows in the coming 2021 year. Thanks so much.